another episode of not your average operator with me paul Mellon mcfadden but uh my two guys how you going there tio i'm doing pretty good mate how you doing man just mate, sitting it's, in here trying to wake up and not so sunny but still lush trees pacific northwest uh built myself a retaining wall yesterday actually no it was like it's been like a four-day project so far i'm still not even done but uh i'm mostly done all the heavy blocks are in place i just have to backfill the dirt Mountain light. You guys don't know. You don't know anything about that. Don't worry about it. You and Orbs are like the most industrious couple in the whole world. You got like the right cultural backgrounds to just work and work and work. I, no joke. I take my hat off to you guys. How about you, Mike? How you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Awesome. You know, it's so much better to approach it this way than I'm feeling pretty good, mate. Raph always trying to touch on the mate piece so he sounds like he's part of your culture. You know, it's a very, it's a very Southern thing to do. I get it, you know, but I appreciate it. And in retaining wall, try to retain your jokes because they're not funny. Uh, anyway, hey, moving. I have, nope. I have a real nope, question. I have a real question. No, Mike, I, this is the legitimate question. <laughs> you feel a little saucy this morning. I is do. this, did you wake up? Was there more hair on, on your pillow? And you're like, damn it, I lost more hair. And so like, now you're just manifesting the sauciness. Yes, towards your that's, good good mate that's part Rafa. of it that's part of it but also too i realize i'm out of coffee uh i don't have any i don't have any filters in there so i'm kind of just losing my mind yeah but and i had a good weekend <clears throat> uh dirge bentley uh came to uh came to town the other day the other night so we went out hung out with those guys and he's on tour with uh a guy named Riley Green. I don't know if you've heard that song, but it's called Grandpa's Never Die. Um, I, w- I wish Grandpa's Never Died. And it's like really, really cool song. Touches home. But anyway, we hung out with those guys all night till about 2 a.m. And uh, enjoyed the show. Awesome show. Just really, really good people, man. And uh, then got to bed around 3.30. Woke up yesterday and attended uh, one of my friend's uh, retirements from he's in the Navy. And he just retired at 23 years and we were on a, uh, a battleship uh, top to uh, for the retirement ceremony. And it's a World War II battleship, which was pretty cool uh, and had the big old uh, 10 inch guns or five inch guns up top. <clears throat> Whatever it is. I mean, they're just freaking massive. And uh, but we got to do that, man, for a couple hours and have have lunch and hear about his whole career and the struggles that he went through to get where he was and like didn't even want to join the military. He was like a drunk and on the wrong end of uh, the end of uh, college and stuff, and then turned his life around. And uh, he was in, you know, he just retired as a 23 year uh, senior chief and just had amazing stories to, to really share. So it was very cool to be special uh, part of, we did a thing, the, the flag folding present uh, presentation. I was part of that. And it was so cool because it was like, kind of gloomy out and there's a there's a thing called i think it's called the flag and it's like a speech about the american flag it's about three three minutes 12 seconds and it talks about as if the flag was speaking and like who like where it's been and what it stands for and everything else and this this warrant officer has it memorized and he just stands up in the middle of the crowd and starts speaking about the american flag and it was so cool and dude it was 
God intervened at this time was like, I'm going to make this extra cool because it started pouring rain soon as that part of the ceremony started. And, uh, you know, I'm in dress whites, by the way. So it was like a, almost a wet t-shirt contest, which is pretty funny, but, <laughs> but it literally, the rain literally lasted until right at the end of when he, he presented, I, I gave the flag to him. He took it over and gave it to his wife, uh, for being a you know, military spouse in retirement. Susie did that. The rain stopped. And that was the only time it was, it was intervention, man. And it was a very, very cool feeling. Everybody was like, ah, it was very special. So I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. That's a, that's an incredible story. I want to circle back two points. One disappointed that you didn't keep your uh, stripper DJ uh, attitude, you know, announcement kind of, uh, theme going on and two since your name dropping i hung out with jason momoa last night we played tummy sticks anyway what the hell (laughs) well i will say that that's super cool to be on the deck of a battleship and the photos are awesome i remember uh, visiting the uss missouri the mighty mo in pearl harbor uh so we're used going i was there lucky to be there with the australian air force and be on the deck of that ship that my wife's grandfather called in fire on when he was in uh, korea very very special I mean, they're throwing, uh, what do they say? They throw VWs like 40 miles. Yeah. yeah. They leave tennis tennis court craters. Yeah. And, and it, something I, I found out, when they used to fire all those guns, uh, like when the guns were sideways sitting off the shore, they say that ship moved sideways 100 meters every, every time they'd shoot. Think how, big, think how big those ships are and those guns yeah. pushing, pushing that ship 100 meters sideways. It's full on. But I also just want to uh, welcome on board. I know people will have seen the show notes. We've got a very special guest. Tony Senior is joining us. Now, uh, listeners will know we had Dr. Tony many weeks ago come on and share his, his wisdom and experience with us. And this is the oak from which the acorn fell. So welcome aboard, Tony Senior. How are you doing? Great, great, Paul. Uh, it, it is great to be here with the three of you today. Um, you know, I've been listening to the majority of the podcasts that you've had and uh, the evolution of the program. It's something to really be proud of. And I appreciate being here. You're very kind. We've, uh, I've really been looking forward to, to meeting you properly. And, and this conversation's, I've really legitimately been really looking forward to meeting you and having a good chance to get some wisdom. So, uh, I believe it's Mike who's known you the longest. So how did you guys meet Mike? You know, maybe you could just tell us a little bit of uh, what you know about Tony senior, and then we can have a a few, ask him a few questions. Yeah, sure. Um, So I went to high school and middle school with, with uh, with his son, Tony, and we we grew up when we were friends and everything. And uh, I remember I went to a party. uh, I think it was like a birthday party or something for, for Tony and a bunch of our friends were there like high school friends and we were hanging out and this guy walks out and he's got this big mustache. You know, he's, he's like, a, you know, he's Italian, obviously, because he got this big mustache. And I was like, Whoa, dude. I was like, who brought Saddam Hussein to the party? <laughs> and, and everybody's laughing. And, and Tony's like, he's like, Oh, it's my dad. <laughs> and I was like, really? And then the first thing he said, are you hungry? are you hungry? Are you, are you guys hungry? I got, I got tons of food over here. I got, you know, I got kielbasa. I got this, I got, I got meat cooking. I got this, you know, I got 
well, you know, and it's, it's breakfast or something like that. And he's asking what I want for dinner, you know, and we became friends and, uh, you know, throughout the years growing up, uh, they'd invite me up to camp and we'd hang out and just have a wonderful time and get to know, uh, his, his whole family. And, uh, speaking of which are just amazing, uh, people, his, his wife, Louise is, is a, is a sweetheart and his three kids, uh, literally a house of learned doctors. Okay. That is not, that is not a lie at all. All three of them, <laughs> like it's, it's freaking amazing. All three of his kids. So, uh, you know, who is Tony senior? He, he just raised three, three doctors. Okay. Like it's pretty amazing him and his wife and, uh, he's very humble. So I'll talk about him, but uh, Tony Sr. has also been a massive part of my life and uh, considers me and I consider him family. Um, after my dad passed away when I was 18, uh, he's never forgotten that and the struggles that I went through. And we've shared some truly uh, amazing moments. And I, I, I'm very proud to like when I'm around him, I, I call him my, you know, I call him my second dad because he treats me that way. We have conversations that way. Um, and we, we share some amazing uh, times together. And uh, I'm very honored, very happy to have Tony Sr. on here. And I'm glad that, you know, Ralph's gotten to meet him and brought into our circle and now Mellon and well, maybe not Mellon, but, you know, <laughs> you know, three fourths of us is good. The thing that I took out of that, is that you disrespected the man for his moustache the very first time you met him in his house and he still offered you food. Well, that's yeah, all I heard. That's the kind of man he is. And that's the kind of man I am, I guess. I, I mean, there's the truth. That's, that is the definition of class. You're all class, <laughs> Tony senior. Just so you know, this schmuck over here, just highlighted how much class you've got. We <laughs> applaud you, sir. I appreciate it. But Tony, maybe, um, could you tell us a little bit just about, like maybe your professional career. I mean, to hear that you've raised three three doctors is actually a very extraordinary thing. So well played to you and your wife, Louise. That's something any parent would just aspire to that. But could you tell us a little bit about your professional career and, you know, even like where you're living, where you are right now, perhaps? Okay. Um, well, just, a, just uh, a footnote real quick. Um, Anthony is a physician Tara, our second child, is actually a nurse practitioner, uh, a clinical director, and Kayla is still in medical school her second year. But at any rate, uh, <laughs> well, crazy. You have to give everything to do. Um, but well, uh, I am an immigrant to this country. You know, I mean, I, I came here uh, as an eighteen-month-old child. Um, you know, the oldest of six kids, uh, Marco and Candida's, uh, son, you know, uh, and the, the, the reason why I highlight that, you know, it, it's interesting, uh, being raised in Pittsburgh, um, you know, it, the, the Catholic school actually taught us English. We didn't speak English at home. We didn't speak English going to the uh, even going to the butcher shop, everyone spoke Italian in our neighborhood. Um, and that transcended, you know, as far as the, um, the ethnicity, the traditions, right, as, as we had gotten older. Um, Louise and I have been married since 1986. Best thing that ever happened to me by far. 
by far. You know, um, it, it's it's been a process with, you know, you highlighted um, uh, our children's accomplishments, right? You know, and that dovetails into, you know, um, the communication that you have with them and my, um, what my profession has been since we've, reason I've met has been sales. Uh, you know, I've, I've um, started several smaller um, companies specifically in the clothing industry, um, had my own business uh, in, in, in the clothing business, which I still um, run. It's called, and you know, it, it's, that's, that's, you know. My dad I'm, was in, uh, my dad was in clothing too, Tony. Oh, really? You know? Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he was a marketing manager for the biggest uh, business shirt, for men, men's business shirt manufacturer in Australia growing up. So we were all always around uh, the, the trade expos and he'd go to Milan and come back with the new shirts or the oh, wow. Frankfurt show and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very cool. Very cool. You know, it, it's a, yeah, that, that industry has changed tremendously. You know, um, used to be a big emphasis on uh, people wearing suits, right? Well, that's, it's gone to casual Fridays almost every day of the week now. And now, you know, with the pandemic start, you know, the, the, since it's been here, I mean, it's been, I mean, why even bother uh, putting on a pair of slacks? I mean, you know, if I, if I can do all my Zoom calls, I mean, if I need to dress, just wear a dress shirt, a tie, and I'm good. I mean, yeah. why even go that way? I'm, I'm literally wearing a T-shirt, and that's it while we're sitting here recording. I have nothing else on. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want the irony to be lost to the people listening because it just dawned on me the fact that Mellon's dad, Papa Mellon, sold business shirts, and yet this clown, all I've ever seen him in is wife beaters. Like literally, <laughs> oh, wow. of a business shirt. You're wow. always in a wife beater. Uh, I got a I got a not your average operator t-shirt on right now. So shout out well, to Patrick, Patrick Sowers. Really, I'm just really showing I'm just showing for the for the listeners. There's my I'm just showing Tony Senior. There's a photo. The only photo I've got of my dad. He died when I was 11. That's him with one of the displays somewhere at a at a, an exhibition. Very cool. Yeah, you know, as as a funny note, um, this is years ago. I get introduced. To, there, there was a horrific. Um, incident where a toddler was killed and the, uh, there were two young men that were involved in this crossfire, right? So the young man is represented by a client, of a clothing client of mine, right? So I go to deliver this, this blazer. It was, out, it was probably five or six o'clock in the evening at the, at the uh, attorney's office. And the young man had his spiritual leader with him you know, as, as to, to give it to, so he can communicate to the defense attorney. So I, I deliver this stuff and the spiritual leader says, oh, I really like, you know, what you, because the attorney said, just open it up in the bag and show me. I don't need to put it on, whatever. And he says, oh, I'd love to talk to you. I said, okay. So I go to this man's office. Now, gentlemen, you've seen a tape measure, right? A tape measure is five foot long. That is 60 inches. I had to staple two of those together, ask this man to hold it, 
and his belt buckle and I walked around him <laughs> like I was <laughs> right right like 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 I was like I like I was a planet orbiting the sun right <laughs> 63 inch waist 63 inch waist and and now you look behind his desk there's a football player you know with like the Heisman pose with a ball and I go who's that he goes that's me I'm like it's you, really? He goes, oh, yeah, I put some weight on. Put some weight on. <laughs> Shit, you look like you followed the offensive line, you know? But um, anyways, that, that really turned out to be a situation. But anyways, sorry. Yeah, I like it. Well. Uh, Migrants. Well, honestly, you know, we've, we've, we, the, the two of us, uh, Mike and Raph, have got a mate called Sione. He's a Tongan, and he just spent the weekend out here. Is a is a ex mechanic used to work on uh, Raf's helicopters out here, and uh, he he played rugby with me. We became friends independently, and it just happened that these two guys knew each other. And uh, Mike met him a couple of months ago back in uh, came out to the beach with us. And like I was talking to him just the other day, we had a a big old cook up in in our house here in, in Riyadh at one stage with all the US military guys. We had. Beast man, I think he's from either Bahamas or Jamaica. Is that right, Raf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had, from. Had, uh, I'm shoot. He'd be disappointed. I know what island he's from. Crap. Never mind. I'll circle back to it. Then Raf from uh, Mexico. Uh, Siona from Tonga. We had Effie, who was Greek. All of them first generation Americans, and all of them really successful uh, in military and Department of Defense. And you just think. This is what our liberal democracies are built on. You know, the migrants get in, you know, and push their kids to excel and study and contribute. And there's a there's a great uh, book called The Immigrant Effect. I don't know if you if you ever heard of it. It's it's uh, it's amazing. It's exactly what you're pointing out right now. Why is that? What's the what's the common denominator to these people that that happens? You know? It's something like I reckon that you don't take it for granted. You know, you arrive and you're like, this is this is an extraordinary place, and you know, you could bust a gut in the old country perhaps and not get ahead, but there's opportunity in front of you in these in these the U.S., Australia, Canada, mm-hmm. etc. These places where we take migrants in, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. I think it all comes down to perspective. I mean, as a son of migrant parents, my perspective is always, I know what my life could have been and I know what my life is. And I know the op- when I see opportunity, I can physically, I tangibly, like it's in front of me. I'm like, I know that that's an opportunity that I need to jump on because, you know, I, like, I, I love to say that I, I literally, by landing, by my dad coming to the United States, I, I won the human lottery, right? Like I, I, I'm an American citizen. I've traveled enough all over the world to know that this is by far the greatest country on earth. Like it's in terms of freedom, um, of course they're trying to take it away, but that's neither here nor there. But the point is like right now, currently it is the freest, freest of the free. And especially on my, I mean, you know, where I live, I can literally walk out of my house butt naked and ain't nobody gonna say anything. Nobody's gonna say anything, trust me. <laughs> uh, there's only one Espinosa. There's only one Espinosa we like to see walk around with no pants on, mate, and it's not you. Yeah, he's the little man. Right now. The bean. Yeah, he's sleeping. But anyway, it's perspective, Tony. Am I? I mean, is that a, oh, a good? Is that a good? 
you know, um, regardless of what your political leaning is, regardless of, you know, what color flower you like, you know, it, it comes down to this. You know, it doesn't matter who the president is, the governor, your sheriff, your mayor, your next door neighbor. Take care of the stuff in the four walls of your house and everything else takes care of itself. I mean, I remember as a child, as a child, you know, living in my parents' home, you could have said, you know, there's a choice. There's a, there's a SWAT team out there looking for you or your parents are really ticked off at you right now. Guess what? I would pick the SWAT team. Why? No, why? The SWAT team has to fire a warning shot. There was no warning shot the first time. And there was hardly ever, you hardly ever did the same thing twice. Let, let's put it that way, you know, and, and uh, the message was delivered very clearly, lovingly, but very clearly, right? You made no mistake. You know what? I, I don't do that anymore. That's not cool. You know, I, I, I remember as a kid and, and this, this is a, you know, the, uh, my father had a landscaping business, right? And, um, you know, you got to know everyone in the area, especially the police, because we did a lot of municipal work for them, right? And, uh, you know, you, you, you learn a lot speaking to a lot of those folks that have to deal with the trouble that's out there, right? And a lot of the trouble that's out there is show, uh, uh, falls right on the shoulders of the parents. We can alleviate so much stuff. It, it, you know. Yeah. And, and if I could say, this is a great segue into the book that we want to talk about. I mean, this is the book that we we're about to discuss, uh, Tender Warrior by Stu Weber, is literally, and uh, the guys heard me say this before, but it's the manuscript of, I say manliness and manhood, but it also applies to raising young women, right? Because I think this tells you, this should tell a young woman what she should expect from a mate. Um, but it, and I mean, unless you guys completely think that I'm completely off mark, but I think that this is a good, you know, uh, we can open the, the conversation up to the book. And if you want, I'll just, I'll talk about it now. So we've been, so we came together specifically and we chose Tony senior specifically because he's, he's raised such a successful family. He, he is, you know, he's, he's kind of followed this book in his own path, um, by having a, a you know, been married to Louise, who's, by the way, let me pause for a second. He's not giving her enough credit. She is a straight smoke show. So tip of the old hat to Tony Sr. Like she is a straight, not only is she a saint and just a wonderful lady and a great mother, she is a smoke show. So Tony Sr., tip of the old hat, sir. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, dude, I love Louise, big fan. So, but back to the book, um, we, so we all decided that we were going to dedicate episodes until we went through this book cover to cover. So today we're going to talk about chapter one. And um, this is us promoting the book. It, and my, Mike's not going to get mad when I say, I'm not telling you to stop the episode and walk away. I'm telling you to stop the, pause the episode and write down this, the, the, uh, the title, which is Tender Warrior, Stu Webb, Weber, sorry, is the author. And just a quick 30 second uh, intro to him. He's a former Green Beret officer who served 
in Vietnam, had some near-death experiences, and just kind of came to the realization that there's something, you know, because he had so many close calls, he, it just kind of forced him to wake up and forced him to kind of try to put life in perspective, right? Like, what is important? What, what's important to me? Screw the rest of the world. What's important to me? Like, if I die right now, if, you know, if my camp gets overrun, if, if I don't survive this parachute accident, you know, what have I left behind? Like, what significant things have I done in my life? And so that's, that's kind of who he is. That's the perspective he's coming from. He did eventually become a pastor in a church. Um, I think he's still pretty active in Oregon, um, which, is, which is, he grew up in the Yakima Valley in Washington. But anyways, that's just kind of a quick, a quick recap of him. But we wanted to start off the book and we all read, uh, we've all read the book, but we all just kind of want to focus on chapter one. And the first chapter is called um, Wake Up Call. And this is a, this is a pretty amazing uh, chapter in that I think there's a lot of application in almost everybody's life. You don't have to be a man. You can be a woman. And I'll guarantee that if you read this chapter, there's so much that just connects with you at so many levels. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Melon, <clears throat> since, you, since you read it walking into the podcast, like what uh, I just I would love to get your response before we go over to Tony Sr., yeah, sure. Um, the chapter opens with him talking about a couple of these near-death experiences where he basically was getting a tap on the shoulder from the man upstairs that he didn't hear. And it was, you know, a parachute accident. And then it was a, his camp was nearly overrun. He wasn't there when, it, when it, I believe it did actually get overrun. But the crux that I was taking out of it was um, the wake-up call being a realization of your own mortality and that you don't have, you know, you've only got finite time, like your, your days are numbered. And how many small and trivial things do we let get in the way of us and our meaning and our purpose in life? And how many small arguments do we let simmer? And how many relationships do we let drift where we don't take responsibility for stuff because we think we've got time? And that was really what I was thinking about. And uh, for me, I was thinking, my thinking really shifted when my dad died at 11. And I just, I've been aware my whole life that um, he was only 43, that time goes. And I was exposed to some uh, Greek philosophy and that sort of stems from that. The mortals were aware, the heroes were aware that they had a short period of time and they had to do great things with it. And the gods had eternity and they were all petty and fighting. And, you know, it was like a, that, that contrast was really clear to me when I was reading that. I had some really good teachers at school. So for me, at age 11, when my dad died, that was definitely one of these moments. And then the other major one for me, which you guys know about, was when my daughter was born. And there was um, 173 days in a neonatal unit and seeing not just the threat of death or the specter of death, but seeing these little babies die, you know, before they started, the babies in the crib next to my daughter, you know, just seeing that, that time go and you can't go through those experiences untouched. You know, you can't come out the other side, the same person. And then the third one for me was in 2012, my wife had cancer and um, you know, that, that whole awareness that just because you've gotten through it once doesn't mean you know, there's no hall pass that lets you off the next time. It's not like you've had your challenge and you're done. It's life is life. And it, 
doesn't have to be malevolence. It's just at the end of the day, we're all going to pass. And what are you doing with your time in between? Anyway, that's that's really what I got out of that chapter. I, I like I, I was very moved reading it actually, thinking about a lot of this stuff. Am I, I like am I way off the mark? Like that's that's where I was. Yeah, Tony Senior, I'm I'm curious to see what um, just because you've got so much experience, you know, you've raised a family. You're 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 an amazing man. So I I'm actually I'm. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm looking at this at a different perspective than um, what Stu Weber experienced, what what any of the three of you have experienced in that, you know, um, not being in the military, but, you know, experiencing those the same feelings though, of um, mortality, you know, I mean, uh, you, you deal with all of life's experiences and some are good, some are very uh, negative to you that you have to um, persevere through them and help others persevere through their trials that they're going through. Um, the the first chapter, though, really um, enveloped a lot of emotions, especially, uh, you know, dealing with the mortality part of it and looking at what could have been through Stu Weber's eyes, you know, as far as uh, how, how young he was when all these incidences had happened. But more to the point, though, you know, um, you you live long enough, not that I'm old, but I mean, I'll be 64 at the end of the month. And I have some of my contemporaries that have passed away much younger, right? And you sit there and you go, wow, you know, um, they did this, they did that, they did everything else, but they know what they actually um, had, had accomplished. Because it, it doesn't matter what other people see. Because other people may not see um, they, they see you in a different light than you see yourself. I mean, we all do that, all of us, you know, and um, the first chapter for me really uh, gave you more focus into who you are, who you are for real. Not what everybody sees, not, you know, hey, it's showtime, right? You know, um, uh, and it, it, um, it was very moving. I mean, just like, you guys had, had reiterated it was especially the questions at the end just kicked in the teeth and and which is good which is good you know the, um accountability is huge huge and you know how many times do we walk away from it because there's no one there to say hey this is what you should be doing and it could be little stuff it doesn't have to be anything monumental it's like you know uh, uh, keeping you on track yeah. I really like that piece in there about the third one was his his like argument or confrontation with his wife where he had let her down to the point where he saw rage on her face for the first time, you know? And you're like, this is obviously not at the time, it's not a combat situation, it's not a near-death experience, but it was a wake-up call nonetheless. 
that here's this person that he has been, I think he describes in his own words, as taken for granted and treating him like a trophy. Mm-hmm. And he's lost sight of something and he's put himself in a position where he had to shape up, you know? And there's that question in the back there about what do you want carved on your tombstone? You know, like what's your legacy going to be? Like what's it all for? What are you doing? Don't just get up in the morning and go through the day and wind up in bed at the end of the night and think, you know, this was a mirror image of the day before and I haven't done anything. Go ahead, Mike. For the people listening, you know, you got you got three military guys and Tony Sr.'s uh, not been in the military. But this is this is why I loved speaking to him is because exactly what he said is his perspective is completely different from me, Mellon, or, or Raph. And, you know, for, for me, Raph gave me this book last year because I was I was very I, I was strung out, struggling with a lot of things in my life with near death experiences that I've had and um, re- relationship things. And I was questioning myself if I'm a good man or not. And I was just looking for an answer of like, wh- where, where's a good guide? And, you know, there there are people who are like, hey, man, it's in the Bible. Read the Bible. And the Bible for me is very hard to read. And I, I've talked about that before. And there's there's so many different ways it can be perceived and depends on who the instructor is or the pastor. You know, everybody's different with that. And then Raph was like, hey, man, you know, you know, he he said he's like, I'm not your pastor. I'm your friend. But I have a book and it was and it was Tender Warrior. And he, he sent me a copy of it. And the first chapter, like, you know, literally the first few paragraphs is near death experience and and a wake up call. And it literally says a man faces himself. And it just grabbed me right off the point. I was like, dude, like I could probably take his name out and put mine in for some of these. And that's me. Like I I related to it immediately, but what this, what this book and this conversation is about is if you're listening and you're questioning what your purpose is as in life as a, as a man, as a friend, as a parent, as a husband, uh, whatever, this, this is going to give you some of the, you know, it's a playbook. It, it really is. And, but it, but first you're going to have to dig in uh, like Tony senior saying, and you're going to, it's going to be uncomfortable because, you know, in this book, I have all my answers. There's questions at the end of each chapter and I, I, I keep them written down in, in here. Um, but it's going to bring out some layers maybe you never intended on meeting before, but it's definitely given me some guidance uh, on how to live my life and how to perceive things uh, and, and what I should should be grateful for in a context that's not skewed by BS politics or social media and all the, the you know, the influences that are coming that mean nothing. Uh, this, this is very devout and honest uh, writing. So just want to put that out there for the listeners. Can I ask you guys a question? And sorry, I'm not trying to cut you off, Melon. But on one of those questions in the back, he asks, is it harder to be a man today um, than, you know, in the past? And, you know, he you just ask what you think. It, I think that's a very complicated question, and I don't think it could be answered in one sentence. But I think the overarching answer for me is I think it is more difficult only because society, like our social construct, the way we've been designed um, has been kind of deteriorating slowly over times past. And uh, I think it's more acceptable now to be soft, to be, to, to lie. I mean, because clearly our, you know, political world 
I mean, it's built on lies, right? Like there's just, <laughs> they're constantly being found out that, you know, they'll say one thing and they did something completely different. And somehow as a society, we just allow it. And so that scares me because it's like, you know, it's okay to be obese, even though we know it's unhealthy. Like there's all these things that make you soft and weak and a society we're accepting these things. So I think to, to be a real man, the way Stu Weber kind of describes, it's actually a bigger challenge because everything is telling you that it's okay to not, to not live to this higher standard, which is difficult. It, you know, I'm, it's, it's always difficult. And I'll finish with saying that I don't think it's difficult just for men. I think it's difficult for women too, because again, we're deteriorating the social construct that we built on centuries of, of living as a, as a society. Um, and we're just kind of you know, through social media, through all these new technologies, it's just, it's making it easier to kind of devolve uh, as a civilization. Um, so I, yeah, I think I personally think it is harder. So <clears throat> I, I want to offer one perspective and then I want to ask Tony senior the question. Um, if you were to go up to a random, you know, and I'm just using this example, this isn't everybody, but you go up to a person and says like, Hey, what is a man to you more? And it refers to what Raf's saying more than likely you're going to hear, but like, Oh man, he's tough. You know, he can, he can deal with everything. You know, he can pound 10 beers and, you know, go out with the boys. And he's always, you know, this man, like super masculine, dude that like doesn't touch on weakness can't talk about his feelings like no dude that's for you know that's that's pussy stuff you know like whatever you want to call it it's just this you're talking about a brick wall 100% of the time and that's like hey that's what a, a healthy man is you know that that's a badass that's what i want to be that's only going to last so long right so my question is tony senior what do you think a real man is I think that the key component to being a real man uh, is leadership. And I need to define what leadership means to me, right? Uh, leadership, a, a, a true leader, a true leader is not, you know, the strongest, the fastest, the toughest guy in the group, a real, a real leader. And if you if you uh, analyze this, I think you'll agree is a person that can get you to do things that you need to do that you wouldn't ordinarily do on your own. Okay, take you from point A to point B, and here's the the and the, the whole. Uh, I I think um, you need to be a leader to be um, a parent to be a father, to be a dad. You have, you can't be, you can't be the hero in your own hometown all the time. You can't be the most popular guy in the house. You gotta make it work. And now that said, you know, uh, Louise is every bit of, of a leader, if not more than me, always has been. I mean, I'm talking, you know, um, uh, results oriented type of parent in a great way. But uh, yeah, to me, leadership is the key component to being a real man. Okay. Uh. I reckon that's a great answer. Like I really like the piece that it's not getting you to do things you don't want to do. It's getting you to do things you need to do that you not necessarily would get up off the couch and do yourself. I reckon right. that there's, there's something very uh, truthful in that. 
definitely in the parenting, the three of us would have seen in military. You would have seen in business, I have no doubt. Hmm. Um, that question's to me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, everyone, uh, I, I, I shouldn't say everyone. A lot of people say, um, you know, in business, you have to be a good salesman, right? And they'll say, well, I don't, you know, I, I'm not a salesman. You know, some people uh, look at that as being a negative, right? Well, this is what I say, though. Um, you know, has there ever been anyone in your life that you've sold on you? Yeah, your, your spouse, your friends, or whatever. And then the next question is, after you give me that acknowledgement, I'll say, are they still buying? Right? You painted a picture for them that was whatever it was to get them to buy in. Right? So um, that's a good thing. The thing is, you have your agenda has to be pure for that individual to get them to where they need to go. Because a lot of times you can convince people to do the wrong thing, knowingly do it. There are people that will do that. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you're you're sitting on a couch uh, when you're when you're a young kid, you're having a few beers with your buddy and you're asking him about hey, what should I do with my life? What should I do with the next five years of my life? Ah, uh, here's a good start, Tony. Crack another one. Right? And we do that all the time as people. We're asking our colleagues, our buddy. You know, it's kind of like, a, a, I, I, I can't use the word right here, but it's like a mutual satisfaction type of a situation, right? You're making each other feel good. That's <laughs> 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 exactly what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. all class I, I love it you know i mean you see this with with everybody and you go why would you do that oh well so and so are you kidding me this person's like one level above consciousness and you're asking them for life advice well, why are you doing that now you have to package it sometimes differently especially with with your kids right but they get the idea you know, the communication thing is so key, so key, especially with girls. Because you as a man become the boogeyman when that magic age starts for them and developing. But you still have to keep at it as far as communicating with them. And when they come out of that, your relationship is stronger than it was before. Because if they know that God loves them and their father loves them. They don't have to look for it in the backseat of a car. I mean, uh, that I, you can write that in stone. Uh, you know. I, I've heard that. And that's something, you know, for me, I'm the only non-parent in the group here, but you know, Mel, Melon shared that since, you know, he has Annie as a daughter, but he's always mm -hmm. said being, being the example of a, of a healthy man, regardless if you're a father or not, but just being a healthy man can show women what's possible and be, and, and show them that, Hey, it is possible to be a good man and, and be the, be that example and lead by it. Uh, especially if it's your own father, because, you know, she knows of like, Hey, this is, this is how I should be treated. This is what a good man really is. He's not, 
you know, he doesn't fold easy. He holds, uh, he holds his principles and his core values very tight to him. He doesn't bend uh, for, or he doesn't break for anybody. He might bend a little bit, but he doesn't break for anybody. Uh, and and get he gives me guidance, and I trust him. You, you know, and there's that whole that that whole layer there that's very important, and that could lead, like you said, that could lead a girl down the right path or the wrong path, yeah. seeking seeking something that she doesn't have. You know, just a quick, uh, you know no matter how crappy of a day you're having, you know, stuff isn't going right for the week, business, whatever it might be. You know, the one thing that uh, when it comes to your children, especially if they're young, you know, um, you were your child's first superhero. Think about that. I mean, it sounds corny as could be, right? But that child looks up to you, you know, and so you can live up to that expectation or not, but time goes by for everyone, you know, and you can look back and say, ah, could have put a little more effort into it, or I could have done this, or I could have done that. Just do it, do it. That's the, that's the greatest gift you've ever been given, your kids. I just wanna, um, I, I had a really great conversation last night with Sione when he was here, when we are talking about parenting and mm. uh, making a mess of it sometimes and who you are as a, as a parent, a mother or a father, you are the archetype of mother, father for your child forever. When they're elderly, when they're thinking of mum and dad, they're thinking of you too. When, you know, with all the all the good and all the bad, and they'll never get over who you are as a father or as a mother. They'll, you know, they'll be dealing with stuff. If you lost your temper that time, that'll leave a mark. You know, if you were if you're the perfect father as well, like they'll be trying to live up to that for the rest of their lives. And Siona and I were talking just father to father about how important it is when you mess up to actually apologize to your children, to sit down with them. And, you know, like I said, I share with Siona that I had a, I had a moment where I, the lid came off and I, my, my son saw me in a state of rage and he'd never seen me like that before. You know, and I really had to sit with him and apologize and let him know that all the stuff I talk about the rest of the time hasn't been thrown out here and that that he would know the truth of this apology because I was going to keep bringing it up. He would never have to bring it up, that I would be able to sit with him and say, you know, like a month later or two months later, like, I know I behaved like that that time. And this is me letting you know that I'm I'm responsible for it and aware of it. We're just talking about that sense of apologizing to your own children as a father, especially because you're somewhere above a normal man. Like you said, like a superhero, Tony, you know, like you're, you're something more than just a normal person in their life. And those impacts that you, those fingerprints you leave are going to last. You know, it's like just that apology piece. I just wanted to, it was just last night I was talking about with Sione. Big stuff. I, I, I really wanted to get to that question for you, Tony. The, the third one at the back of the book there, at the heart of the major wake-up call is the question, what really matters? You know, well, like I really wanted to hear what you had to say for that one. What is well, it that matters to you? And it, well, it, and it follows up with what really matters to you. You know, um, to me, family your children, your, what your 
legacy really is in your own heart that you know. Forget about what they're going to write on your tombstone. You know, because here's the thing, you know, like right now, there are five people in this conversation right now, right? There's five of us here. You, Raph, Mike, me, and God, right? And, you know, because you can sit there and compare yourself to this person, compare yourself to that person. They have this, I don't have that. Um, but you really have to look in that mirror and say, what truly is important to me? Now, you might say, yeah, but if I had, you know, 10 million bucks in the bank, I could do X, Y, and Z, right? Or people say, man, if I only hit the lottery, well, what would you do with the money if you wanted? Would you just stick it in the corner and look at it? No, you'd do stuff with what? The people that you love, right? People that you care about. Why don't you tell them that now? See, that kind of stuff's important to me. Very important to me. You know, I mean, there are folks that I know, and I'm, I'm joking when I say this, please. I'm, you know, people could call me up at three. There are folks that could call me up at three o'clock in the morning and say, hey, I got to bury this bag somewhere. And I wouldn't even ask them what the hell would, you know, what's in it. You know, and, and they're the same way with me. Now, I'm joking as far as the bag goes, but, you know, you, you'd do anything for each other. What's that worth? What is that worth? You know, and, and if, if that still doesn't hit home, you know, like Louise and myself, you know, we've been married uh, since 86. How many people that we invited to our wedding aren't here anymore? How many people that you'd say, you know what, man, I'd give anything, anything just to have that person back for a meal together? or to hear that laugh, or to hear that, you know, that joke that they always tell, right? But we, I think as a society, getting back to the whole general part of it, you know, we put value into things that really don't matter. Like here, and it, I'm gonna really get catch hell for this. You know, you get how many kids that'll say, you know, they're so hell bent on, I'm gonna be an NFL player, or I'm gonna be a pro, I'm gonna be whatever. And you sit there and you say to a kid, and I've said this to several young, young men, you know, you will literally kill yourself, risk killing yourself on that field for this game you're playing, right? Oh, yeah, man. I'm blah, blah, blah. And say, all right, why can't you give me the same passion for life, which is going to last a hell of a lot longer than that game? And more to the point, no one's going to give a shit a week later, who won or who lost. Because life goes on Monday, right? It's just a bloop, right? But we, 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 we put all our chips in on one thing. I'm going to be, well, not in the cards for everybody. What are your gifts? How can we, right? And to me, that question three, what really matters to me, relationships. Well, family first, relationships are probably, well, definitely are the top two. Perception of what people. I was, I was just going to say, I, I really like how you emphasize, because um, we've talked about this before on the show, is how, you know, life is just full of white noise. And that's one of the biggest challenges as an individual, man, woman, it doesn't matter, 
you know, married, not married, is being able to decipher through the bullshit. And because there's so much that tells you what you think should be important. But like you said, you really have to dig, dig deep down inside and be like, no, what's important to me? Right. Not what society tells you, not what Instagram, not what the model with the, you know, with the butt and the, and the Pomeranian. Like, I don't, you know, I can't let them tell me what's important. Right. Like I, when I wake up, you know, there's always that stillness in the morning. And I think that's a really good time to um, reflect, Mike, that's your word, reflect on what is important and, and maybe focus the day towards that. But look, that's a daily struggle for me. That is a constant struggle. I'm always trying to dig through the noise, trying to separate all the, the bullshit from the things that really matter, not just to me, but the things that will affect my wife the most, that will make their lives better, that will make my son's life better. And it is not easy, man. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, oh, you know, I'm having a hard time. Dude, we all are. But you can't lose sight of the fact that, that those, those steps, those concrete steps to really stop and think about, that's important because it's really easy to get lost in that ocean of bullshit. You know, uh, to your point, Raph, it's a struggle for every single human being out there where the challenge is to all this. I think, or I know for me, it's having uh, an accountability partner that you give permission. You, you have to do this. If you don't do this part, it doesn't matter. The accountability partner, you have to give them permission to really get in your face. Because I mean, um, I said this to my youngest brother, my brother, Frank. Um, I said, Frank, if I was doing something that was detrimental to me, would you say anything? You know what he said to me? Now, Frank, I'm 13 years older than Frank. He says, I wouldn't say anything because I wouldn't disrespect you like that. And I said, not saying anything would be disrespecting me way worse than getting in my face. Right. Because, I mean, especially if you're, you know, type A personality, right, you're the whole bit, you need somebody to say, hey, dude, you need to like, put the brakes on this or you need to focus on whatever it might be. Because your trajectory as a, as a human being, if that's not, you know, uh, what's the right word, steadied or, or, you know, made straight, you can go in all types of. OK, and, and people can typically pinpoint, you know, what. I should have gone right when I went left right here. If there would have been someone, right? And um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We, we, well, I mean, it's a proven fact. We speak 16 times more negative thoughts to ourselves than we do positive. Every human being on the face of the earth. Every, so you have to combat that whole thing with whatever it is works for you, right? You know, whether it's I need to listen to motivational tapes, I need to listen to, um, you know, to be, to be totally transparent, I used to listen to that stuff on a pillow speaker. It'd go on all night long. You might say, well, you're, why would you do that? Some people learn differently. Mm. It's all good. You know, it's all good. Whatever it takes for you. All right. I love it. Uh, that that piece around having an accountability partner is something I really believe. I participated with a uh, an education program in 0304 Landmark Education, really great stuff. And they have that exact concept 
and they set you up to create people like that in your life in different areas if you need it. And my wife and I, we have a thing that we will call each other on our bullshit, you know, and but it takes an effort and you have to make space to sit down sometimes and just be like, right, let's go through everything, you know, like where am I having my breakdowns? Like what what is not working that I'm doing? And you got to be willing to hear the answers from these people when you create that accountability, right? Like you have trusted them, you've created this situation. And when they then say to you, like, you know, this is not working, you've got to be like, suck it up, princess, <laughs> dry your eyes. Because they're, they're giving you the feedback that you need and not necessarily the feedback that you want, right? They're acting as a leader for you, to quote you earlier, Tony. They've seen the thing that you need to do that you don't, you're not necessarily gonna gonna do, you know? And you know, God bless my wife. She she has to she has to have those guidance, the mid-course guidance, you know, uh, all the time. And and you, when you have them and you have it as a routine thing, it's a it's a super powerful thing to have, like inside a marriage or with that close friend. And there'll be different areas of your life with different people. But just you talking there about having an accountability partner um, and the focus on what really matters. It, it's it's so key. And I, I, I have a mate, he talks about having the four whys. Like, you know, you ask someone what they want to do and you ask why and then why and then why and then why. And often you're going to end up with something like what you've just said around time with people I love or experiences with people I love is at the heart of all of it. Like that kid who wants to be in the NFL, it might be, you know, to impress his dad and dot, dot, you know, and then you're going to get to something true at the end of it if you keep asking those questions. You have to um, uh, also add this component to it. And uh, my, my family, uh, specifically my brother, had, um, he had stated this. He said, you know, you'll have patients that will tell you about what's wrong and just and really get into detail and everything else. And you sit there and you, you, you analyze everything and you make your recommendations, but they don't want to get better. They just want to tell you what's wrong. And I mean, I know folks that have had individuals come in for decades, decades. And just, it's like, why are you coming to me? I like talking to you, doctor. No, it, right? And there, and, and we do this in all aspects of our lives, though. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, a person will say, well, how long have you been doing whatever you've been doing? Oh, I've been in this business 35 years. Oh, awesome. Um, now, you could take that one of two ways, right? They've grown every year for 35 years and have reached a particular level, or they grew the first year and just kept repeating the same activity for the last 34, right? And uh, we're all creatures of habit, though. We're all creatures of habit. That's why that accountability person is, uh, is invaluable. It, it, it's, I shouldn't, what's a better word? Um, indispensable? Yeah, 100%. Right? Because it's easy to say, I ah, screw it. I'm not going to yeah. do it. I'm, or, you know, I've always been able to rebound. Yeah. Like, no, it's not how it works. 
Yeah. And if I could just add that, that, uh, cause my wife and I try to do that and it's not pretty sometimes like it really is painful. Like it, you talk about your ego, you know, being lit on fire. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, so it's, it's, I promote it, but it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, it really isn't, but it's indispensable. So. Well, I think we're probably at, at uh, about an hour now. And it's just like the time has just flown. Honestly, I'm, I just, I just want to keep asking you these questions, Tony, to get your insights. I'm not joking, you know, and I think it's going to be clear to our listeners that there's someone here who I think we're, we're going to hear about a scout who's leading the uh, expedition through the mountains and we're trying to get some wisdom from you. So just to sum up, there's a couple of points here about from Tony, take care of the four walls of your house and the rest of the world will take care of itself. Leadership. It's not the strongest or the toughest, the person who can get you to, to do the things you need to do that you ordinarily wouldn't do on your own. And uh, Louise is every bit of a leader, the same as uh, Tony. Your spouse, you painted a picture for them. Are you delivering on the picture you painted? If God loves them and their father loves them, they don't need to find that in the back of their car. The question about what really matters, family, relationships, children, legacy, what you really know in your heart, forget what they're going to write on your tombstone. And most of the time you, you would pick one more meal or laugh with a departed loved one. And the challenge is to have an accountability partner who will call you on your bullshit. So just a few key pieces there from Tony Senior. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And, and honestly, I'm really looking forward to part two of this. You know, just uh, the bombs are coming. Anything you wanted to just leave the listeners with after this first one there at all? No, I, I just wanted to say thank you very much for your time. I really look forward to uh, our next encounter. Thank you. You're very welcome. So to all of the listeners out there, you know, I'm sure you're all as keen as I am to get uh, part two from Tony Senior. So take care and we'll see you next week.